0: Let us pray. Lord, we are so bombarded with ideas about what justice is from our entire environment that it is really hard to discern sometimes what you are all about. But what is very, very clear is that your ways are not our ways. Give us the courage to sink in deeply with who you are. You have made it clear through your parables, for those who have ears to listen. And please, allow us to be people who have ears to listen. And I pray most earnestly that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable to you, for you are our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen they the israelites had experienced and borne witness to the mighty miracles of god god made the sea part for them so they could cross to safety god actually split apart the water the israelites had received what they needed which was manna from heaven so they wouldn't starve But it didn't take much for them to forget about how God had provided for them. The state of the Israelites, how they reacted to things, how they forgot about God's mercy, is a profound and deep foreshadowing of how fear of deprivation, not having enough, would cripple people, the people of God. And it's because... From time to time, the people of God do experience things running out. Historically, we have episodes. My parents talk about the Great Depression still. And we understand that there was just a great recession. And we have seen in the news in the Middle East people standing on mountaintops without water, without food, in true need. It's not as if these things don't happen. But they, the bad episodes take such a preeminent place in our heads and in our hearts. They seem to have so much more weight with us than the examples of God's miraculous provision. As a young teacher in Los Angeles, I was teaching at a private high school. I had been in a public school before that but private high schools don't pay very much. And I was actually going to graduate school full-time simultaneously, and this was before seminary, which was graciously paid for. So I was broke. And every single week in my teacher's box by the office at the school, there was $20 in an envelope. Week after week after week, and I never knew who put it there. And in 1980, that was a long time ago, $20 kept me going. It was not dramatic. It was not flashy. It was just God's provision week after week after week. And this is just one example. And you have them too because you've told me them of God's provision. And there are so many miracles in my youth that have to do with being taken care of that part of me wonders if maybe I might have had more than my share of miracles and maybe I've used up my quota and then I think, no, that's deprivation thinking again. But can we really expect God to keep on giving to us? Can we? Fear of not having enough is a driving, driving force. And deprivation issues of not having enough, not having enough money, not having enough time, not having enough appreciation, not having enough people, not having enough house, goes hand in hand with fear of injustice, anger at injustice. And that starts early. It's not fair. Is a refrain we hear from kids really early. Fear of not having enough, along with fear of not being treated fairly, not getting what we believe we are entitled to get, are driving forces away from God, addressed in the parable of Matthew 20, verse 1 and following. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early to hire men to work in his vineyard. And he agreed to pay a denarius for a day's work, which was the going rate. And at the third hour, went and found others standing around in the marketplace doing nothing. So he hired them, and this is a very important phrase, and promised to pay what is right. Then he went out again and hired more who were standing idle, and he repeated this in the 11th hour. It was actually five o'clock, but this was a 12-hour work day. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, "Call the workers, pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones." Everyone got paid the same. Those who had worked 12 hours, the same as those who worked one hour. They could not keep quiet. About this. Unfair, they said. I wasn't being unfair, the landowner said. I gave you exactly what was promised. Unfair would be to not honor the promise, we could put in parentheses. God knows exactly, precisely, what we need. Our sovereign God is an intimate God and he knows and he also knows that there is within us a need to clue him in about what we think we need because we honestly believe that we know better we know what is required for our well-being more than God knows what is required for our well-being we actually believe this and God knows how difficult it is for us He has a great deal of mercy for us in this. And our world tells us what we need all the time. And our world tells us what our sense of justice should be. The problem is that the justice is derived from the promotion and encouragement of comparisons. I need what he has. I need what she has. I need what the world tells me I'm entitled to. Where do we fall statistically? Are we making enough money for our experience? Do I get what I deserve? Others seem to have it better. Aren't we deserving? But the ones who did work all day in that vineyard received tremendous mercy. Yeah, they were scorched in the sun a little bit, but they got to work. Those hired first didn't have to agonize about whether or whether or not they would be hired that day. At least for those hours, that agony was gone. And labor is a good thing. It releases stress. I used to take a work group, a bunch of Los Angeles desk sitters, to Sheldon Jackson College. It's a Presbyterian college in Sitka, Alaska, that catered to Native American populations. And for seven consecutive summers, we went there and we painted and we planted and we built. And our people came to work and they relished the work, dug into the work, and our spirits needed to work. There was glory in physical labor. And we've always known this, The ones who weren't chosen in this parable were not chosen for a reason. They were not acceptable in the eyes of the ones hiring. They were somehow not worthy. Were they lame and crippled? Were they too desperate? We don't know. But one of the hardest things about teaching kids when I did that was what happened to the ones who were never chosen and how their spirits would be crushed as you would watch them on the playground form captains for games and there were always a couple of people at the end who nobody wanted and the captains would make no have no problem with saying oh no i am being stuck with this person they would not have chosen them at all so imagine when those who had lost the last hope of being hired knowing That they wouldn't be chosen at all, were offered a job the last hour. And this is what God does He dramatically and sometimes quietly offers truth. In spite of what environment might tell us, what our perceived reality might be, God says to us, You are precious, you are needed. You are wanted, and in some mysterious way, I don't know how it can be, every single one of us is chosen. But it's chosen in the context of grace. No one is left out, yet everyone is chosen. Something else to be noted about the ones who were hired last. On Thursday, I was waylaid on the way to Presbytery by Pastor Tanya, our friend who has an Afro-American church in the city. And I went to lunch with her, and four hours later, we (laughs) stopped having lunch. But we were talking about people in our lives who were in tremendous pain and suffering. And your mind might go immediately to physical problems, but that's not really what we were talking about, although physical problems are certainly in there. I'm talking about the pain of carrying the burden of torment about something in life. When the intensity causes a person to psychologically stagger, psychic pain, and when there is no outlet, the pain can make us sick and cause us to explode internally if there's no available relief from the burden of it. The ones who were hired last in the vineyard, for the vineyard, at that last second, they were hired before their pain undid them. The pain of feeling useless. God is just. Justice, he created justice. And he's the only one who really knows what justice means. God will provide. We are the ones who want to control his provision. We are the ones. Our fear of injustice and not having enough can be so overwhelming at times that we try to exert control over God, somehow believing that we can make a contract with him. I'll be good to you, God, so you'll be good to me, but be good to me on my understanding and on my terms he doesn't make contracts with us. What he does is gives us covenants. True covenants which says, I will not forsake you or leave you. You cannot buy my love, you cannot earn my love. My love is a force that is there for you now. I will save you. Just recognize who I am. I am not unfair to you. This is the vineyard owner is saying when he saw that everybody was grumbling? Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? And here's the key. This is the justice that the world doesn't get, and it is in the last sentence, and it is powerful. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. And why are the first last? Because they were last. God's justice is a love justice and a generous justice, and it is for us. Let us pray. Lord God, so many times we feel like we have to understand the purpose and the reason of everything. In